Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of Points and Penalties. My name is Josh, and with me are my co-hosts, Jesse, Peter, and Kevin. Kevin, what are you drinking tonight? I'm having myself a Hop House Lager 13. Speaking of the 13 uh, episode, why not uh, bring that on out? Nice. Good choice. Yes. Peter, what are you drinking? Thanks, Kev. I am drinking a Cowbell Brewing Company, Hazy Days, Hazy Juicy IPA. It's 6% strong beer. And uh, so far, it's very hoppy, but it's pretty good. Uh, Jesse, what are you drinking? Yeah, Peter, that's a really good beer. I like, I enjoy that one often. It's cowbell, so obviously. But uh, today I am drinking Collingwood Freestyle. It is a uh, Thunder IPA. No idea what the Thunder means, but it's a hoppy beer and 6.8%. Got you again. Yosh, what are you drinking? Today I'm drinking a beer called Pushing the Limit from All or Nothing Brewhouse. It's not too bad, 4.9%. It's kind of citrusy, that kind of flavor, which was, seems to be kind of a trend with the last few beers that I've had. But I like it. It's good. And the uh, it's pretty cool. It's got like a monkey on it, you know, on the front of it. Oh, yeah. It looks I cool. See, I see exactly why you bought it. This is exactly why I bought it, because it <laughs> looks cool. So And it tastes, it tastes equally as cool as it looks. Uh, enjoying this one so far, and uh, let's go from there. Well, guys, I'm glad we all got a half-decent beer for tonight's show today's show whatever you want to say yeah careful the line's not here. <laughs> i'm glad you guys don't care if it's today or tonight either way so let's start off the show with our blue jays update they are playing 500 ball three and three so far this week play the yankees and the royals the two and one versus the yanks and one and two versus the royals they also played today actually i think they're playing right now so who knows uh, i'm not watching so i don't know if they're winning or whatnot but hopefully they can get a another w in kc and uh and at least split the series with them uh boys are seven and eight on the season so again pretty close to 500 if they get that win today it'll be 500 and they're tied for second in al east but they're also tied for second last so <laughs> depends <laughs> on how you look at it right they are tied with baltimore and tampa and they're three and a half games back of boston who's dominating yeah it, it's crazy that they are they yeah, I, I can't remember what their uh, win streak ended at. I think it was... I think it was eight. Was it eight? That really shot them up from uh, starting 0-3. It's got a big week coming up for the Jays here because the first two games this week are against Boston and then the next three are against Tampa. So there's going to be some movement here in the AL East uh, next week. And hopefully the Jays will be trending upwards on that uh, standings list. It's definitely going to be a tough go, though, with all these injuries that we still have. It's major issues, you know, from position players to to the pitchers. We still have Springer out with his, I guess now it's more the calf than the oblique. And he, I've heard that he isn't going to be playing until after the 25th, which is basically after these two series here. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to ask you. Do we have any idea when he's coming back? But... That would be the earliest now that they're, they're saying here. So it sucks that we're... You're not going to be without him for the first month of the season here, but hopefully we get him fixed up so that he doesn't have any lingering issues and he can get back to uh, playing and hitting the ball. Right, and that's one of the things um, about his oblique and everything like that that I said that would take a long time, but he was supposed to be back like this Thursday or something like that until that uh, calf injury. So more time for that to heal too as well as long with the calf injury, but... Yeah, they've got four off days in the next two weeks, so it's kind of you know that extra time to for these guys to heal up is gonna is gonna help, but that's not gonna help the next two weeks of baseball either. So, 
say Oscar Hernandez is still out with, uh, you know, on COVID protocol. And so he's still sitting around and I'm not sure if he's got COVID or if he was just in contact. I believe he got it. I believe he tested positive. That would yeah, make sense. I think because, that's right. Because if he didn't and he was just in contact, you would think a negative test would allow him to play already. So that would make a lot of sense. So, so yeah, he's obviously going to be recovering from that. And then we'll have to probably have a handful of negative tests before he'll be allowed back. And then it'll probably take him a week to get back into ball shape, you know, from a endurance standpoint and whatnot. I, I would assume they'd probably just play him as a DH a few games to get him going and then uh, some light workouts and whatnot. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully no lingering issues from it either. Yeah. hundred percent. We need his bat. We need his bat. He, he's been tearing it up this year when he was yeah. in. And then uh, I guess the most recent position player injury was Craig Biggio. He's nursing a hand injury that he suffered in Thursday's game. Challenge Calvin Biggio. Biggio. Yeah. hundred percent. He said Craig. He said Damn Craig. It. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Damn. It's up to you guys. I don't care if you call no, it. No, no, no. That's, got it. For that's sure. legit. That's yep, good. 100%. Because I know I, I do that all the time. And... Well, no, that's a that's a big mistake, though. Like, I called him by his dad. Like, I just said that it was his dad that got the hand injury. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, so Kevin Biggio <laughs> uh, is nursing a, nursing a hand injury. Suffered in Thursday game versus KC. He was playing third and a line drive. He went to go catch it and his throwing hand got kind of in the way. He was kind of using two hands to get the ball and it got, went off the tip of his hand. And so I don't know if, I don't think he broke any fingers or anything, but you never know. I did see him on the, he came in as a pinch runner uh, yesterday in one of the games and he had a big ass mitt on his hand. So I don't know if that was just for, protect that which or maybe a lot of those guys just wear the mitts anyway nowadays no, he's but. not pulling like a kelly gruber where he has a thumb sprain right i don't think so man okay and then we get into the pitching the pitching injuries which is uh, more of a long-term issue because there's a lot more guys that are having issues it's our bullpen yeah we know of nate pearson who's been out for a while hopefully he can get back and we can even get him in as a long relief man at this point would help but we just put Merriweather on the 10-day IL with a, an oblique strain. Same thing as Springer started with. And then a bunch of other injuries. Hatch, Chatwood, Stripling, Phelps, who I did see throwing in one of the games yesterday. He didn't get into the game, but he was in the bullpen. So whether that was just, just for him to start throwing and get back on a program, maybe. Or maybe they were bringing him back into thinking about bringing him into the game. I'm not 100% sure on that. And then we have uh, Romano, who is also hurt so lots of guys in the pen we need to get these guys back up and going luckily they have i'll call it depth i don't know how good the depth is they've got the players that they need right now to to fill in the role the roles but how well are those guys going to do in those roles is uh, is beyond me they're a lot of unproven guys and and guys that are just trying to get back back into the swing of things from years past so it'll be an interesting you know next couple weeks let's say for pitching I think Raphael uh, Delos is his name uh, is going to be the closer coming up. Now that that uh, Romano and Merriweather, are, uh, mm-hmm. and really at that time, like I would guess, Merriweather was the closer. But yeah, like he only came in, he got the saves for sure. But like Romero was playing against the like the tougher lineups and stuff like that, like the top of the lineup and stuff like that, and coming in the eight, but. I don't know. I don't know who that closer is really right now. Like it, it could be Rafael Delos, but yeah, and I think it's going to be a committee 
basically whoever's hucking the ball well is going to probably win that spot. And, you know, you're going to obviously go from there and play it by ear. You, you're going to get one or two guys back here and there, right? So you'll be able to put them into the spots. And, I mean, we got Chatwood, who's a long guy. Yeah, he, he might be the setup guy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if yeah, if he comes back or when whenever he comes back, because he's still out with a tricep uh, inflammation, so it's a mixed bag. We really don't know what the hell is going on here and who these guys are are going to be replacing. But we'll see what they can do, and hopefully the bats and the defense can at least keep them at 500. If they can do that until some of these pitchers come back, then Kev, your your prediction is still on track. But if they if they lose 10 games in a row here, based on pitching or for whatever reason for that matter, it's going to be a real tough. A real tough goal. It's still a long season, but yeah, is, like if, sure. if they can stay at 500, yep. that'd be the, the best. Yep. Yeah. Well, we know Vladdy's bat's been carrying him lately. He's been on fire to start the season. Absolutely. He's uh, he's making my life complicated because I was <laughs> uh, was contemplating getting a Bichette jersey. He's playing well too, but fucking Vladdy's tearing it up. Now I'm I'm conflicted. Not sure who to jersey, get. Eh? Which jersey? Yeah. Which jersey? Yeah, it's a tough call. I mean, Vladdy's got wheels now. Look at him. He's yeah. you know, went from first great. to third. Didn't he steal a, steal a base the other he day? Did. Like, yeah. He did. He third. He would probably be at the top of my list right now. I mean, my other guy was Springer, and it's tough to buy a Springer jersey when you haven't seen him play. So, I mean, I know I've seen him play in, in Houston before, so I, I imagine he's still going to be pretty damn good. But, but that was with trash cans. That was with trash cans. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Exactly. I mean, who knows, right? That could end up being garbage. Well, they did well with like last year, didn't they? They didn't have no one telling them what their pitchers were or what they're they still have a talent. Hitting. Not that we know yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they did well last year, regardless. So elsewhere in the MLB, guys, we had a handful of records being broken and different starts to the seasons. So Yadier Molina who has been a amazing catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals for the last hundred years. Uh, he is the first catcher in MLB history to catch 2000 games with the same team. And that is a feat. That's a, that's a lot of years behind the same plate. He'll probably go down as one of the, one of the best catchers of all time. And he's still producing. He absolutely. Like he's still, he's still playing well behind the plate and, and with the, uh, bat, uh, the bat in his hands. Like he's, he's one of the best. Yeah, absolutely. He very well might go down as the best ever. Like it's possible. I mean, who who would you in, in the era of, in his era? Who else is better or or in that range? Like maybe Real Muto, Buster Posey. That's who I always think was Buster. You know, I mean, but he he's been kind of. I think he's been kind of struggling this year, hasn't he? Or is he? Uh, oh no, that was the year. That was the year before. He actually started off hot, but I don't know what he's doing late because I did hear his. his yeah, I'm not sure. San Francisco's a long he, way away from here. We don't get too many updates on the Giants. <laughs> yeah, well, West Coast, I guess. But yeah. he still, he was still like the best during uh, Molina's time. The best catcher at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, you know, obviously there's lots of lots of catchers from from the past. You know, Pudge Rodriguez would be a, one of the top end guys. So Buck Martinez. Buck Martinez. I don't know if he's a top end guy. <laughs> yeah. He's a big name around Toronto, boy. <laughs> the best um, thing he did was well, the guy uh, had his legs broken. Yeah, bro- he had his legs, both legs bro- broken on a. But he made two home. He, like, he made two outs. Oh, same play. He got two outs. <laughs> one with the broken leg, and then got the other one out with his. Second broken. You know, I'm not going to work on Buck Martinez. I'm going to get him on this show and he can tell us that story. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> be awesome. 
It's huge. And if not, maybe we'll just buy a cameo and he can tell us about the story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're pretty crazy about the, the catcher there, Molina. That's, uh, that's like I said, that's a lot of games. He's going to set that record even more so. He's going to keep adding on and it's probably going to be tough for anybody to, to match him in that respect because guys move around too much nowadays. So Corbin Burns from Milwaukee Brewers. He's had a great start to the season. He's the only pitcher in the last 120 years to start a season with 30 strikeouts and zero walks. He accomplished that feat on Wednesday. He's pitching pretty damn good throughout the three games that he's, he's uh, pitched in. He's only given up four hits. Who was the other guy that did it 120 years ago? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, Sandy Colfax. So that's my guess. Sandy Colfax <laughs> wasn't 120 years ago, but <laughs> I don't know. Do you know who it is, Peter? No, not a clue. No. It just seems like such a strange <laughs> yeah. time frame. I guess someone did it in fucking 1901. Yep. Yeah, I was alive then, eh? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Burns pitching really well right now on the, the Brewers. Uh, you know, everybody can use a good pitcher, so it's great for the Brewers to uh, to have this. Only giving up the four four hits in three games, pretty good. Yeah. So Peter, just to give you a heads up, yeah. Uh, Did you find it? Back in 1893 was when the records were first being kept, according to uh, Eli Sports Bureau. So it could have happened all the time before that. Yeah, exactly. And sticking with pitching, the New York Mets' Jacob deGrom has been elite uh, as advertised. Becomes the ninth pitcher all-time to strike out nine consecutive batters in one game, which he did yesterday, Saturday. Hey, he's been on fire. On his interview, he didn't even say that uh, he didn't even know how that he was already at nine. You know, one more, he would have broken the record, they said. Ten consecutive, because he ended up with 14 strikeouts yesterday, So, yeah. but obviously not consecutive. So, Right. Yeah, it was Tom Reavers, I believe, was the guy that had the 10 in a row. So, yeah, he's pitching equally as good, if not better, than uh, Corbin Burns. He's, you know, both, both the same ERA. Corbin was .49 and DeGrom was .45, 35Ks, few walks, few home runs. He's only given up one earned, earned run which is odd seeing that he's given up two home runs. So I'm not sure how that works, but that was as per uh, baseball reference. So yeah, I know Peter, that was my look too. Like <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? That makes no sense, but I don't know. I didn't look into it a little more. So if it's wrong, it's not me. It's pro reference baseball or whatever the hell that's, that website was. Challenge. We challenge that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and the last thing for the MLB sticking with uh, pitchers is we had another no hitter. This guy probably would be a honorable mention for our MVP segment, which we'll get to in a little bit, but he threw a no hitter on Wednesday, just shortly after Joe Musgrove did. And he actually had a perfect game heading into the ninth, but uh, an infield hit that was a very close play at first base uh, ended up breaking up that it must, they must've called it an error challenge. It was a hit by a pitcher. He hit someone. Yeah, I think that's right. He hit, he hits, he hit, uh, Damn, I can't remember the guy's name, but he hit the. He was a hit batter uh, in the ninth. He was yeah. an infield hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'm pretty sure I read that it was a. It, it, well, it was a bit of error, not this. an infield hit, because there's a close play at first base with a Brave. Anyway, while well, you guys check that, that's fine. As I said, he probably would have been MVP 
uh, normally, but we have a pretty good one uh, in there this week. So we had to bump him. So he might be his uh, MVP one B this round, but uh, either way, no hitters are pretty sweet. And to see one, two weeks uh, consecutively is, is pretty cool. So, and apparently I might be down two fucking points already. <laughs> uh, anyway, Peter, um, do you want to tell me about the NHL? The trade deadline was uh, last week, but we obviously can't report on it until now. That's right. So it's been a little bit of a delay, but the trade deadline happened just after our last show. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the biggest trades that happened. Starting with the Capitals getting Anthony Manta from the Red Wings for Jake Brenna and Panic 2021 first and a 2022 second. So Anthony Manta is a great player. I think it's it makes a ton of sense for the Caps to be adding this guy for what they hope, I'm sure, is going to be a deep playoff run. Uh, I do think they paid a, a hefty price to get him, though. The first and second alone is is probably would have been a fair deal, but to throw in Verona and Panic in there, Verona's a good player. He's just not uh, not quite Anthony Manta. So I think they overpaid, but they got the best player out of the deal. So if I had to judge, I'd call it a win for the Red Wings. But uh, Anthony Manta to the Caps. We'll see how he does in their playoff run. Next trade of the day: Panthers acquired Sam Bennett from the Flames. They also got a 2022 sixth for Emil Heineman and a 2022 second. It's interesting to see the Flames move on from Sam Bennett. And I think they, they got a good haul for him, though. Uh, I don't think he's lived up to his expectations. He was a top four overall pick uh, not too long ago. I don't think he's ever lived up to that expectation. And I think the Panthers are hoping that he does in a, in a new environment. But yeah, Sam Bennett is a Florida Panther for what will be their playoff run because they're in good shape down in, uh, in their division as well. I thought that was a little weird, like you said earlier, Peter, there, that they, they moved him. He's the kind of player that uh, Sutter likes, so I, I'm just surprised that they moved him. But, yeah, he must have had some other reasons, right? Yeah, well, second-round pick is a good return, so that's probably... Fair enough. That's probably why. Okay, next trade we have. Uh, Vegas gets Matthias Janmark and a 2022 fifth from the Blackhawks for a 2021 second and a 2022 third. Also, Sharks got a fifth in 2022 for retaining half of his salary um, as part of this deal. Now, uh, Matthias Janmark is an okay player. He's a bottom six center. He'll help them depth-wise through the playoffs. But uh, they paid a, a steep price for him. Uh, a second and a third for this guy is, in my opinion, more than what the Bru- or the uh, Sabres got for Taylor Hall, which is just seems nuts to me uh, the deal that they made for Hall which is coincidentally the next deal I have on here so the Bruins got Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar or as we like to call him Laser, Laser. <laughs> uh, from the Sabres for uh, Bjork and a 2021 second this deal is just ridiculous to me to me Bjork and Laser are very fairly similar players. I think they were just included in the deal as as more or less a salary thing. I think Bjork gets paid a little more than Lazar. Lazar. Um, <laughs> so the way I look at this trade, I just call those two an equal swap. And it to me, it looks like Taylor Hall for a second round pick. 
and that's they got fleeced in my opinion on that deal. With I agree, yeah. I agree. Yeah, Hall ain't gonna do shit for them really. I mean, he's only tied his uh, goals that he did in Buffalo already in Boston. So I, I really don't see him doing so well. I think he's gonna fit in there well. Yeah. Well, like you just said, Kev, he's he's already yeah. he's already scored as many goals with Boston as he had with the Sabers. Because he, oh, I just, I just, you just don't like the guy. Answer. Don't like the guy. <laughs> yeah, you got a hard on for him for some reason. I wouldn't want him. Wouldn't want him. My biggest issue with this trade is I like Curtis Lazar. Peter, you and I went to a bunch of games uh, in Toronto during the World Juniors, and he was instrumental in winning that gold medal. And I am so disappointed that I have to hate him now because he's a Boston Bruin. Yeah. He was their captain that year, I believe. I believe he was, yeah. Yeah. One gold. Kind of shitty there, but hey, it is what it is. And hopefully for him, he's maybe he can play a little better. Maybe this will work out a little better for him and, and he can be more of a, uh, you know, the type of player he was for Team Canada. Obviously, that yeah. was a few years ago, but. No kidding. But yeah, if he has a resurgence and Taylor Hall comes back to being Taylor Hall, Buffalo, or uh, sorry, Boston made out like bandits on this deal. Yeah, like neither of them have to be superstars. They just got to do their job. Yeah. Like they're, they already got pretty good guys there. And so it'd be pretty interesting to add those guys on. Like I said, Vegas paid more for a TSC on Mark. I don't know who you'd rather have, but I'd rather have David Hall. What? <laughs> Just another thing with Curtis Lazar, and not necessarily about him, but for all our listeners, if you have not been to a World Junior game, you need to go. It is an absolute blast. It's so much fun. The, the kids just play so hard every time. And uh, like I said, Peter, you and I went, was it two years in a row with the Toronto-Montreal thing, or was there a break in between? There was a break. It was, break it was two yeah. out of three years, and it was, it was so amazing. I'd love to do it again. Um, so – Go go and watch the World Juniors and cheer on our our boys in in red. That's right. Carry on with the NHL. <laughs> uh, okay, next trade we got the Pens at Jeff Carter for the King from the Kings for a third and a fourth. That's I think this is, in my opinion, probably the fairest deal of of the day. The Pens at Jeff Carter, who is uh, a shadow of what he once was, but he's still a good player. I can't believe he's still playing. He, yeah, he's up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they didn't pay too much for him, a third and a fourth. And the Kings are retaining half his salary for, uh, and I think he's got this year and next left on his deal, something like that. He's not a pure rental. So I like the deal for both teams. The Kings add some some draft picks, and the Pens adds Jeff Carter, who will hopefully give him some scoring touch into the playoffs. Uh, next deal we have Lightning adds uh, Savard and Lashoff from Columbus for a 2021 first, a 2022 third, and they gave a fourth to Detroit for taking on half of his cap head. So that's that's an overpayment in my opinion, but it's the Lightning adding a defensive, a good defensive player to their corpse, and you know they're all in on trying to win another cup, trying to repeat. It's a bit of an overpay, but. I think it makes sense, probably. Again, just sheds light on how bad the Taylor Hall trade was, in my opinion. And then we get to the Leafs. So the Leafs added uh, the big names they added were Felino, Riddick, and Hutton. Uh, so they got Felino and Nosen from Columbus for a first and two fourths, one of which went to San Jose. Same deal for a quarter of the salary retention. 
So that's it's a heavy price, but I think it makes sense to do. They add some grit and some toughness to the team for a playoff run. And I think he's now the fourth former captain of another team that they're adding to this team. So this team has some good leadership in it. It's hopefully got some good uh, grit and toughness now in the bottom six. I don't know. Hopefully this is the year where we can make a serious run. Seems like there's a, you know, we got three pretty solid goaltenders too now, you know, going through here. Yeah. So hopefully. My understanding, Freddie's not going to be playing that much more. Or I don't think he's, they think he's shut down for the rest of the season. Yeah, maybe. I think. Is that why we picked up uh, Riddick? They picked up Riddick for sure as, I'm going to call it insurance. Insurance, yeah. Because Freddie's hurt and Campbell has injury history. If either of those guys are not available to go in a playoff game, you don't want to be starting Michael Hutchinson. No, we need Super Dave. We need Super Dave in that. Big Save Dave, that's right. <laughs> so they added Big Save Dave from the Flames for a third-round pick. I think that trade makes a lot of sense. You're adding backup goaltender depth, again, just in, just in case. And they add Ben Hutton from the Ducks for a fifth-round pick. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play much. He's probably going to be their seventh defenseman, I would think. Just in case of injury, if somebody goes down, he'll probably step in the lineup in the playoffs. So with Felino coming in, do you think they're going to be uh, resting Thornton for like playoffs, or is this guy going to take over a Thornton role? In my opinion, I would uh, seriously consider taking Thornton out of the lineup in some games. Uh, maybe not in all games, but he's he's not been producing like he did at the start of the season. I think he has like one point in his last, I don't know the number, but it's something like 18 games or something. He's not been doing good enough. Maybe age is catching up with him. So yeah. yeah, I would I would seriously consider if it's a fully healthy team going into the playoffs. I don't know if Joe Thornton's in that starting lineup. You know what I've heard about uh, about Felino and the Felino trade. I've heard that uh, Torts has already benched the draft pick that they traded for. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, Tortorelli. I love that guy. And he got to that one quick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Drafting you, but you're sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to pick you next year. You're bench, bro. Yeah, be better defensively, damn it. <laughs> Let's do some muscle. <laughs> Okay, so the Leafs had a rough week. Uh, they're 0-2-1 this week, uh, but they remain in first in the North Division. They're three points up on the Jets uh, with one game in hand. Uh, they played tonight against Vancouver, which we'll get to here in a second. They lost to the Flames in overtime in uh, Big Save Dave's debut as a Leaf, which ironically was against his former club. And I found it pretty amusing that he actually flew to Toronto with the Flames after the trade had happened. So I imagine that that plane ride for him was... Uh, probably pretty awkward, for sure. I think he was probably getting chirped pretty good by yeah. guys like uh, Kachuk and Cheech and whoever else is uh, for sure. bit a bit of a mouth on that team. <laughs> <laughs> or he was just saying his goodbyes. Yeah, sure. I think it was... There's probably some goodbyes, but there's lots of chirping, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're like I just mentioned, they're playing the Canucks tonight, a game that was actually postponed from yesterday to give the Canucks one more day of of rest and practice to get back to game shape. I still don't think it's it's enough. They are they got seriously hit by COVID. 
and they are just coming, basically coming out of their beds, out of their sick beds, and jumping right back into NHL game shape, which they are not. What was the uh, time that they were off? Uh, it was like two or three weeks. Oh, I thought it was. It seems like we've been talking about them on COVID forever. Yeah, two or three weeks can seem like forever, <laughs> especially during lockdown. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, but yeah, so it's, I, I'm sure that some of those guys that got it pretty hard, they're not going to be in full game speed or even close. So I don't know. We'll see how the game goes tonight. It's I don't expect much from Vancouver here tonight. Well, Leafs aren't doing too hot, so they better <laughs> better get their shit together. Yeah. <laughs> I am I'm pretty confident they're going to beat this Canucks team, but this is maybe what you would call a uh, trap game with them coming off of their COVID problems and beliefs coming in, maybe just putting a victory in the bank and not playing as well as they could. But we'll see what happens. Play down to their competition. But yeah. <laughs> slow as fuck. I, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think we'll see that, though. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that uh, the Leafs will win pretty handily, and they play them again on, I think, Tuesday. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, last I heard, Matthews and Nylander are expected to play in tonight's game. Nylander was off for about a week with COVID protocol, but he never did test positive for uh, for COVID. He tested negative every time. He's just in protocol for having a close contact. And Matthews missed Thursday. So he's coming back, we think, and hopefully keeps on that road to 40. Definitely not 50. Sorry, Josh. 50. Yep. He's going to do it. Not nope. a game in six multi multi goal games. We're good. Yeah. And the last note I have: uh, Campbell's perfect season was broken on Monday against Montreal. Uh, he was finally handed his first loss. So he now has eleven wins and one loss on the year. And speaking of wins for goaltenders, Mister Mark Andre Fleury has moved into fourth all time in wins in the NHL. With 485, uh, he is four wins shy of Roberto Luongo at 489, which he'll obviously pass with uh, not too much trouble unless something crazy happens. Question I have for you guys: He's at 485 now. Do you think he can catch Patrick Waugh for the second spot at 551? It'll be tough. I mean, that's going to be two or three more years when he goes to the Kraken. As long as he starts, as long as he's a starter goalie, he'll have a good shot. I would, if I would say, if he has two good years, if he gets like thirty wins each year, he'd be right there. He's what five fifty one minus four eighty five is like I don't know sixty six. All right, something like that. Something like that. Close enough for our math. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, about thirty wins each year with some more wins this year to close it out. But he's, I think he's 36 years old. Yeah, he's 36. He's that, That's that's a thing, too, is he's 36. Yeah, now health is going to come into effect. How how healthy can he stay? And... Game management, kind of thing like that. Yeah. Kind of like what happened to Freddie, right? Like, he's he's been playing a lot, and now he's all of a sudden hurt. Yeah, and goaltenders so. have a tendency of when they get up to that certain age, they just fall right off a cliff. Well, let me tell you, once you get up to that age and older, you're not so flexible anymore. So especially for a goalie, it, uh, it isn't the best. Speaking from experience, Josh. Must be, must be. So I think he does it, but it'll be interesting to see, one, what team he's playing for next year. And Seattle. 
could very well be Seattle. And two, if uh, if he's getting enough starts and if the team in front of him is good enough to keep on uh, adding to those wins. We'll yeah, see. that'll be a big question if, about Seattle because who knows what they'll be like, right? Yeah. They could be like Vegas when they first uh, got into the scene. But I think that's uh, almost an, an anomaly. Yeah. Like, that just doesn't happen. Wouldn't happen that often. Like, look at all the other expansion teams when they came in. They were fucking garbage for a long time. Yeah. So the league for sure has made it easier for an expansion team to be competitive. I don't think we're going to see, though, what happened with Vegas. With Vegas. Because they made some fucking killer deals. And they, I don't know what some teams were thinking in those deals, but they gave away a great player plus some graphics so that they would take that player. I think William Carlson comes to mind. I think they gave they gave Vegas graphics to take him and he ended up scoring like 40 goals for him the next year. Something like that. It was ridiculous. So I don't think teams are going to be making those kinds of stupid deals anymore. I think they're just going to say, you know, take who you want. We're not making any deals with you. It is what it is. Because uh, teams got pretty, a few teams got burned pretty good by Vegas. So that's all we have for the NHL. Well, I have one thing just to sit there and ask you guys, just for one thing for the NHL. I know they've been talking about it. Don't know if they'll ever do it. Delayed penalty. Do you think if they score that that penalty should still be, that they, that they should get that penalty? I mean, they're, they're putting your extra guys on the ice. Granted, yes, you're pulling your goalie to get the, the sixth person. But do you think that that penalty should still uphold after the play started and the goal is scored? No. No? I do. I think that if you get a penalty, you get the sixth person out there, you score. Yeah, I think you should have that penalty. You should still uphold. So by, by getting a penalty, you are immediately at a disadvantage because the other team can add a sixth player. And if they score because of that advantage, you've been recouped, I guess, for having the penalty inflicted on you. They scored on you with the man advantage. So you don't get twice. Uh, I, I think they should. I mean, that's a possible rule change that they're looking at. Isn't that a rule right now? You still get the penalty after the goal? No. Nope. Oh, I thought it was. No. No, like I, I agree with Peter, but that would give a huge advantage to the team that had just scored or that's going on the power play because once, like you said, they would score and then they get two minutes on four on a five on four. So that's right. two minutes that the guy's in the penalty box. So he's like getting two penalties right there almost. Yeah. Like that's, that doesn't make sense to me. Now I don't have any stats in front of me for this, but I don't think that people score with the six on five delayed penalty very often anyway. So no, no, I wouldn't, I don't care that much either way, but it doesn't seem to make sense to me that it would still be a penalty. But that's the advantage right there too, is you get a delayed penalty is you have another, you have a chance to score. Plus, you know that you have, uh, a power play coming up as well. So I personally think that it's fine the way it is. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me to uh, give advantage to the power play right after they score. Yeah, I agree. But that's just me. Now, one thing I have heard, not to digress a little bit, as a suggested rule, is if you give up a shorthanded goal, do you lose the rest of your power play? Ooh, that would be interesting. I know. That would be very interesting. You'd see a, probably a lot more guys, you know, at least one guy that was a PK be pushing a lot for that blue line to try and intercept that pass, which could yeah. make it right. really exciting. Yeah. 
Although at the same time, the power play team might play a little bit better defensively and it may make it a little less exciting. Yeah. But who knows? Hmm. That'd be cool. That's a rule I'm worth discussing. <laughs> That's it for the NHL. And that brings us to our MVP of the week. Drum roll. The MVP of the week this week is a good old Canadian boy, Joey Votto. Oh, yeah. Josh, why don't you take us through why he's in our MVP prestige position this week? He could be an MVP just because he's Canadian. But in this instance, he is our MVP because he turned a rare unassisted triple play on Saturday night. Zero out, runners on the corner. Balls hit by Josh Naylor, fellow Canadian. Joey Votto makes a diving catch at first. One out. Tags the runner, Fran Mel Reyes, who was on first, was trying to get back to the bag. Votto was ended up to, uh, able to tag him, two out. And by that time, the runner at third, who had thought that the ball had bounced, had run all the way to home, touched the plate, and was basically walking off the field, not knowing that he had made the catch. Votto, just nice, easy tosses over to third base. They step on the bag, and they get the force out for, for uh, Eddie Rosario not tagging up. So he gets a three, three, six, uh, triple play. If you want to, if you want to put it out with the numbers, but, uh, pretty crazy, pretty crazy to see. But that, would that make it an unassisted? Uh, That's that what play? it says. Yeah. It said it was still unassisted. That's why I was wondering if he was called out because he went off the baseline and yeah. that's why they said they, but they're, they're saying that it's because he threw it over a third. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that usually doesn't mean it's right. That would unassisted. mean that he assisted on the last out. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I think because it was the tag up thing, because he didn't tag up, that allows it to still be uh, Votto's. But either way, honest as a triple player, that's what they that's what they called it. And I'll, I guess go into the record books as that. It's still good to see a triple play. Here. Amazing to see a triple even play. If, even if it's that, especially by old man Votto. Yeah. Like, and it was funny too. It kind of looked like to me in the replay after he dove down to grab the ball, he was racing the guy on first to the first bag and then realize, Oh, I can just tag you because you're right. Beside yeah, exactly. It did look like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. So what a great little play there by our Canadian boy, Joey Votto, who is actually from Toronto and uh, Naylor is actually from Mississauga. So it's kind of funny that they're so close, uh, you know, from the, basically the same area, the GTA there and one line drive into, into a glove of, of a uh, fellow Canadian. So, so Joey Votto's in our, our MVP uh, this week for the unassisted triple play. So congrats, uh, Joey. So boys, let's jump on into the NBA and a few things to talk about. Uh, first thing, LaMarcus Aldridge. So he was just bought out and then signed with the Brooklyn Nets. He played a few games and his last uh, game or two, he ended up playing with an irregular heartbeat. And so he has decided to hang up the old high tops and he said it's time to focus on health and his family. So he has retired based on that. Seven-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA second team, three-time All-NBA third team, NBA All-Rookie team. He's the Trailblazers' all-time leader in total rebounds with 5,434. And the Trailblazers' third leading scorer of all time with uh, just over 12,500 points. So I question for you guys, and I know – you know, he's a little bit of older player. So I think Kev, you'll probably know him a little more maybe, but uh, just curious if you guys think that this guy is hall of fame bound. 
with what the stats that I'm staring at, yeah, man. Why wouldn't you? Uh, why wouldn't he be? I don't think he is. I think if there was a Hall of Very Good, I think he would make it. I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have any championships. He's a very good player. I just don't think he's quite there, not quite enough to be Hall of Fame bound. The Hall of Very Good, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm with Peter on this one. Like, he's super, super talented and everything like that. And he was there for a long time in the NBA. But I'm a man that needs uh, his Hall of Fame guys to win some championships, unless they're on like a really garbage team and everything like that. But I think he was on teams that were good enough that mm-hmm. could have pushed for uh, NBA title for sure. Now, I know we're talking with you about the NBA here, but I'm going to just kind of ask Dan Marino, is he in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Yeah. Did he ever win a championship? No. No. Championships aren't everything. Exactly. But they're a big piece. But he was, Dan Marino guy, was this also make it. one of the best all time, and that's why he's there. Exactly. LaMarcus Aldris is, isn't one of the best centers of all time. He was, Dan Marino was also putting up numbers that, the QBs now are putting right and he did that back in the eighties. So he was, it's completely different. Like he, he is one of the best um, quarterbacks in the NFL ever, especially during his time. And Aldrich is like, like Peter said, very, very good. Yeah. So I think for the most part, I agree. He may get one of those last ditch efforts to get in a kind of last, last time on the ballot. And maybe they put him in if it's a weak class that year. But I, I got to agree with you guys. I think a Hall of Very Good, but probably not Hall of Fame. Now, one guy that I can guarantee you will be in the Hall of Fame when he when his time is up is Steph Curry. I, I don't think that there's a, a question about that. No he question. is probably, if not the best, he's one of the best shooters in NBA history for sure. And he has just most recently passed Wilt Chamberlain for the most points in Warriors history. So he now has 17,940 that would have been as of Saturday night, I believe. Currently 77th all-time in, in NBA history scoring, which is <laughs> not anywhere close to the top, but there's a lot of games and a, he needs a lot to go to uh, to catch Kareem, who's number one. Uh, yeah, there's zero chance. He, like he's, I think he is the best shooter that the game has ever seen. And he's not the best scorer by far. No, no. Like I think he's not even halfway to Kareem. No, he's not. Uh, so, it, you know, it's impossible. It's never going to happen. But best shooter of all time. Did you guys see that last shot uh, yesterday oh, where he basically grabbed and he just kind of just, just like, nonchalant, yeah. just threw it up there and fucking goes in? Like, uh, was... the guy's like video game, man. This guy's on video game status all the time. It doesn't matter where he's taking that shot. It just seems to fucking drop. Another circus shot that happened this week was uh, Luka Doncic, who's right at the buzzer and he made this crazy circus right? shot and it was one of the, the same thing like how the hell did that shot go in you know these guys just have i don't know it's a force field or something you know it just guides <laughs> the ball into the basket and it's it's uh, crazy stuff and so another guy who has a very good chance in my opinion to make the hall of fame chris paul he moves up to fourth all time in steals on the nba and he passes maurice cheeks so Chris Paul now has 2,311 steals. Next up is Gary Payton, and he's got 2,445. Chris Paul averages about uh, 144 steals a season. 
So it's possible for him to catch Gary Payton in the next couple of years, but Chris Paul is not getting any younger either. So it's uh, it could be a little bit, a little bit difficult to make that next step. Yeah. He's up there in age. That'll be difficult to get that. I think. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, if he plays, you know, even if he doesn't play the top of his game for the next say three years, it's possible, but it's, it's going to be tough. I, I, I think it probably happens. You're saying he averages 144 per season and he's less than that away. He may not get it all in one season, but I think over a couple of years, I think he gets there. And so now without looking at the rest of his stats, does being third all time in steals put you in the hall without looking at all the rest, just based on steals. Do you think he, I mean, he's like a 13 time all-star or something like that. Too, yeah. So. <laughs> I think, I think alone, no, but with, with he's not the rest of the, yeah. Yeah, he's done other good things as well. So, yeah, I think he gets in for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a high probability that he gets in for sure. Yeah. But, but like, I, I don't know if he's going to reach that that goal of passing. Who was it? Gary Payton. Gary Payton. Gary Payton, I, senior. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's, a, it's a lot because, like, he's going to be 36 in May. So, yeah. Like Aldridge just retired, right? But it was COVID issues and stuff like that. So, and he was 36. Yeah, but he had a medical thing. He had, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 that's what I was saying. But still, like, it's, you got to find room on the, on, uh, for a starter to have that, which he obviously would be a starter, right? Plus game management. He'd probably be in, be in one of those guys. Uh, so, last guy uh, in the NBA before we head to our Raptors update. Uh, Dwayne Wade has purchased an ownership stake in the Utah Jazz, joining majority owner and governor of Utah, Ryan Smith. D. Wade plans to take an active role in the franchise and within the region of Utah. Now, we're not 100% sure of, of what kind of investment D. Wade has put into the Jazz. NBA bylaws state that ownership stakes must be at least 1%, so he's at least put that in. Ryan Smith bought the Jazz in October for one point six billion dollars which is about the same as we were talking about last week about uh minnesota and utah is way better yeah <laughs> so way better way better so pretty good deal for buddy to buy them in uh in october for 1.6 considering aroid is buying shitty minnesota for about one six or he's part of that group anyway it's not him but anyway uh, so kind of cool, as we said last uh, last week, we're, you know, we really like how all these uh, ex-players are getting into buying into the franchises and whatnot and how they're trying to, you know, get back to the NBA and trying to, to continue on. And sure, it's an investment for them, but they're also trying to make the game better and uh, and trying to make, you know, teams more competitive with, with each, you know, Hall of Famer level experience type thing. So, so D-Wade is now the fourth NBA Hall of Fame level player to hold an NBA ownership, Grand Hill of the Hawks, Shaq of the Kings, Jordan, who's the majority owner of the Hornets, and now D-Wade with the Utah Jazz. Now, is this Shaquille O'Neal? Is this the one that, um, was it uh, Sacramento? Yep, that's who. Kings? Yep. Didn't he make fun of that team before? He did just recently. He said that they... Sacramento Queens? Yeah, well, that was a long time ago. That must <laughs> yeah, have been yeah. before he bought into them. He wouldn't no, have said I, that I he owned so. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, he was still playing at that time when he called them the Queens. <laughs> yeah, that uh, yeah, sounds like Shaq. He's yeah. just trying to intimidate them to play better. That's what now he's, he's bought into them. <laughs> it's, it's just Shaq. That's just Shaq. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like I said, it's good to see 
good to see these uh, these ex players getting back into the game any way they can, and uh, hopefully it'll hopefully it'll keep basketball basketball and kind of keep the business out of it. Like obviously it's it's still a business, and you still gotta you know there still is that big part of it. But if you can get it to be more about basketball with obviously that side of business, I think it's gonna be better for the game in the long run. Let's yeah, but these guys don't hold a lot of percentage towards these guys, right? Like they have a voice, but, yeah, just, but they don't have a, a big percentage of the ownership. Just, just Jordan, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like like Dway said, like he's he's going to be actively involved, and he's a, he's actually a, a buddy with with uh, this Ryan Smith there. So so I feel like from you know from what I read, he's actually going to be involved, and we don't we obviously don't know what stake he's got in it, but I can't see it being crazy amount being that it's worth 1.6 billion i don't think uh, d wade's get that kind of money but uh i was gonna say take out a loan somewhere yeah, or something exactly. like that <laughs> you don't want the loan from the kind of people that give you that kind of loan <laughs> <laughs> all right and then the raptors update this week so far they are two and one on the week they beat the spurs and the magic they've lost to the hawks and they play the okc thunder today they currently have a record of 23 and 34, sit 12th in the East, half game back in Chicago and Washington for the final play-in playoff spot. And there's only 15 games left. Now there's been uh, some thoughts, controversy, opinions that the Raptors are now in full tank mode and are looking to uh, secure a better lottery draft uh, spot. For sure there. But 100%. they keep putting up out subpar they put out subpar lineups and they're beating these teams. So <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on here. Maybe these other teams are like, yo, yo, you're not, you're not messing up on us. <laughs> so, uh, and they were just recently fined 25,000 bucks by the NBA for failing to comply with uh, league policies regarding player resting and injury reporting. So they elected to rest Lowry OG and Pascal Siakam on Friday versus Orlando despite all three of them being healthy, they ended up winning the game. I don't know why there's an issue here. Like, yeah, so they, they benched some old guys, you know, I guess OG and, and Pascal aren't old, but like it's, it's load management. Exactly. I, I'm shocked that they can even like, yeah. Find you for that or even have evidence of that. It's, it's weird. It sounds like they literally got fined for trying to tank. Right. But, but right. failing. But, and maybe that, yeah. And maybe that's kind of why they, they gave them the fine and just said that it's, it's for failing to comply with these, these policies. So they basically, they've granted a little bit of leniency for when uh, there's back-to-back games. So they're saying, you know, your superstars, your veteran guys don't necessarily need to play both games, which we saw a ton last year or uh, two years ago, sorry, with Kawhi. And we see with him and, and other players elsewhere in the league sitting out lots of games. So I really don't understand what the issue is here. Um, had it not been three stars for the, that team, like for Toronto, would this have even come up? I would say no. no right? No. Like it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of uh, yeah. I don't know what the policy is, but it probably has something to do with their salaries. And if they're being paid so much, you got to play them. And if, uh, I don't know. I would imagine it's tied to salary somehow. And somehow it's against the policy to sit all three you. And okay. But what if they are getting paid, but they're playing like shit? Yeah. Like, Exactly. You're benching him at that at that point. Now so like, these guys I, weren't I dressed though either, right? I don't. They weren't dressed, so it's not like they were dressed and then just didn't play. So they were they were in street clothes. So they're you know maybe if they put them if they dressed them but just didn't play them, then there probably wouldn't have been an issue. You know yeah. they might have got chirped, but they probably wouldn't have got fined. And it's like what they didn't they didn't put them on the 
injury report or anything like that. They just have their healthy scratches. Yeah, and I mean, maybe for Lowry, you could have said, oh, his fucking foot was acting up a bit. So maybe you could have got away from that, but then, you know, you're lying on the injury report. So which, which that, that is finable for right. sure. But it's, it's just, it's just a weird circumstances that happen. And, and to a team that is, I guess the whole reason was because of tanking, but yeah, they still won. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, exactly. congratulations. You won. Here's your fine. What's 25 grand among friends anyway. Well, and it's the players aren't, yeah, it's, the players don't. Yeah. The players, it's, it's, it's the organization. Uh, the Raptors. So it's like Ovi wiping his ass with five G's. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Masai is wiping his ass with 25. So, <laughs> But anyway, yeah, that's the Raptors for the week. They're not playing too shit hot. Who knows if they're going to make in a, a playoff or play in game. Uh, it's not looking strong right now. And if they, if they decide to tank as legally as they can, it's going to be even, you know, I guess they won't want to, but it would be more difficult. And hopefully these backups don't play their career games for the next 15 games <laughs> and you know i guess the way the raptors are looking at it and and make the playoffs because i don't think at this point they want to yeah that's right and i think it's they're in a situation where it's kind of okay either way if they play a bunch of bench level guys and they play out of this world and make the playoffs and they make a little playoff run get some playoff experience okay if they play those guys and they play like they're expected to and they lose some games and get a better draft position Okay, it's <laughs> you know they're just they're in a position where this is not the year and whatever happens happens. If you get some playoff experience, great. If you get a better draft pick, great. It is what it is. Well, the team that has been been like they've tanked a bunch, but are playing pretty well right now, the Cleveland Browns. They have decided to cut Sheldon Richardson, D tackle, saving about eleven million in cap space. This comes on the heels of signing Javon, uh, uh, Jadavian. Jadavian Clowney. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. Um, yeah. So comes on the heels of that and he is supposed to be making like $8 million this year with incentive to make two more, two million more incentive. But I also took a look at some of the cap numbers here and it looks like Richardson was going to be like 12 against the cap this year was going to be about $12 million. And somehow Clowney's deal is included over four, four void years to be spread against the cap between 2001 and 2002, which doesn't make sense to me because that's not four years. But uh, so his cap hit this year right now is $3.87 million. So it's quite a steal. And considering they could have kept both of them on too because they had a bunch of cap savings, but it looks like it's to open up uh, to re-sign uh, Mayfield, Nick Chubb, and Denzel Ward probably because those are young superstars that are going to get paid, whether it's by the Browns or in free agency. Mm-hmm. So, And they also signed uh, Malik Jackson this year, who's, who's old, but he's still a pretty good uh, defensive tackle and everything like that. And they got a, a third-rounder from last year playing a sophomore year. We'll, we'll be starting right beside Malik Jackson. So it's a, I find it kind of weird because he, he didn't play all that horrible to be cut, but I guess for the amount of money that he's, he was going to get paid, that was kind of a thing. And like I said, maybe they're looking to extend someone at the beginning of the season because usually right before the season starts, like within the three weeks before the season starts, you see extensions for young rookies. 
Those Browns, they have been shit for a lot of years, man. <laughs> they were so garbage. Like talking about tanking years, you know, they were bad, bad, bad. And then all the, the draft picks have finally come through and they're starting to, to be good now. Well, it's not just the draft picks, but the guy's actually a coach in there that knows what the fuck he's doing. Fair enough. And a quarterback. For the yeah, but he had a sh- he had a shit year really again in 2019. But still, it's their fucking quarterback history is salty garbage. The biggest carousel in the NFL, like it's even bigger than Chicago's. <laughs> even when they were tanking for all those years, they weren't really taking a quarterback early on. They traded out of it a couple times. They did. He was shit, like Whedon and. <laughs> but that was the, he. He was late first round. Like they they were early first round. They they a few times and they took like Miles Garrett, who was pretty freaking good. Yeah. And uh, they traded back a couple times, so it's I don't know. I'm I'm not a huge Mayfield fan. I think he's kind of aloof, but he had a pretty good year this year just because he had a huge running game with uh, Chubb and yeah. oh shoot, who's the other the guy from KC? Uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Kareem Hunt. Thank you. Yeah, so like he's got a really good running back uh, running back team. So like just tossing it up like that, like. Like they 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 figure like they're gonna run all the time, and then he just goes PA and hits. And he did better when uh, Odell was out. Like he got hurt last year, mm-hmm. and then that's when Baker started lighting it up. So, but yeah, you're right, Peter. You got they got they got better because they got a better quarterback for sure. But they weren't taking one for some reason early on when they could have. Uh, the other thing that's pretty interesting, which it's off season, so there's not much to talk about, but. There's a proposal of easing restrictions on jersey numbers. So quarterbacks are and punters and kickers are still 1 to 19. Running backs are now to ha- allowed to have single-digit numbers from 1 to 49. And uh, this is weird, but 80 to 89, which I've never seen any running back have. Well, because they can't. Anyone else? <laughs> they can't have oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess they <laughs> But, like, even, even in, in uh, college, like, I don't remember seeing – guys with that high of a number kind of thing like that because they don't really have restrictions they can come first come first serve kind of thing yeah i imagine that's just because some of them function almost like a receiver so they want to give them a a receiver number if they want to have it well i think the big thing is because some of these older teams they don't have many numbers left (laughs) they're all retired retired. yeah (laughs) like kc is one of them so they've retired a bunch of numbers and there's only like a couple numbers for quarterbacks or a couple numbers left for, for this position, that position. That's, that was what I read was, I think KC brought this up. And yeah. They, it was KC that and it was that, because that, of this reason, you know, and it makes sense. Like, it's just a fucking number who cares. Right. Like back yeah. in the day, it was maybe more because you look out and you see all these digits and you're not sure who is what guy, because you see all these nines on the defensive line or and you see all these fives as a linebacker. So maybe it would confuse you. But I think the guys are so good now that that doesn't phase them at all. And I don't even think they're looking at numbers now. They're looking at those eyes of the linebackers and, and vice versa. The linebackers looking in the eyes of the, of the quarterback more so than they used to back in the day, in my opinion. Right. Like that was the main thing was just to keep track of who was in the area and stuff like that. And they could figure out through the numbers and every, if it was a linebacker or whatever yeah. kind of thing like that. So yeah. it's an interesting proposal i like i I agree with you like they were so stingy on it to begin with and like i remember a lot of people complaining about that and stuff like that and and now defensive backs are one to 49 as well which is crazy because i know uh, jalen ramsey's thinking of changing his number and he's asked twitter 
<laughs> to, 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 to decide for him. So he's got a, he, I think he had a poll there or something like that. It was, that it was pretty funny. I don't mind this yeah. at all, but if guys are going to change their numbers on the current team, I think they need to pull a Willie Nylander and offer to pay for the jerseys. Yeah. 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 Or a refund of something. That was the thing that I really uh, Jalen Ramsey's Twitter was was the one guy was like, "Don't change it. I already have your jersey." Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I have really no no issue with this changing it. it. Like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah, just for people that have bought in jerseys before. I mean, I would be pissed if you just bought a jersey the year before or whatever. But it is what it is. Yeah, but then you're yeah. you've got the vintage yeah. whoever jersey yeah, exactly. before the number change. The one that he's probably going to retire in or something like that, unless he's worth, like a it's worth more. I wouldn't say mine was a number change. Just I got the damn jersey, and the fucker went to Tennessee. Well, Tennessee Ooh. needed a blocking tight end, so oh, <laughs> so they got him. Yeah, Kev, Kev, that's your own fault for grabbing that goof. And that was hey man, that, I don't know why that that guy was the guy to me was the the best tight end that, that Atlanta had when I was involved in watching. I mean, so this was be, this was before Tony Gonzalez. Yes. Because Gonzalez was 88, and I, I trust me, if I had an option to, to rip off that three and put an 88 and change the back to Gonzalez, I would, for <laughs> sure. I mean, you could just buy an 88 Gonzalez one. Nah, I got no, I got an 11. I got a Julio. I got a Julio. That's a good choice. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, bud. Hey, you're welcome. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy <laughs> Christmas in March. Christmas in March. That's right. <laughs> uh, so the other thing that's going around is more COVID issues with the. Uh, off-season workouts and stuff like that there's like 19 teams out of the 32 teams that are not going to be doing voluntary workouts now i'll go run through the teams real quick 49ers rams dolphins jets chargers falcons steelers raiders giants browns bears it's <laughs> lions i put lions but bucks uh seahawks saints ravens broncos and the eagles today decided that they weren't going to do it um it's just making a statement and everything like that. And the NFLPA has put out a new uh, schedule for the NFL to see if they can go for, which is a couple, uh, has a couple of phases. Uh, so that, that would be the voluntary workouts that are happening 19th to the 14th, which will consist of virtual meetings, no on-field drills, or work with coaches and the facility along, the, along with the weight room will remain closed. So everything's going to be virtual for the voluntary workouts and stuff like that, because like voluntary workouts were like, they're voluntary, right? But they still were supposed to be, sh the whole thing is to show up to them. Unless you had a just control with your contract, usually that even you throw shade at them and be like, I'm not coming to this as voluntary and you got to work on my contract. Yeah. But the, so the second phase, which would be between May and May 17th to the 21st on field drills and coaches into the mix, I'll be no contact on field drills with the coaches into the mix. Um, so that's just, I don't think that's OTAs. I can't, I think OTA starts after that. Um, I think that's more or less just for like, it's rookie camp. And then they add afterwards, they, then the OTAs start for everybody. I believe that's what it is. So that's just to get everyone there. And then obviously uh, the mandatory camp, training camp, They'll have to be there for and everything like that. And I think that starts like after July. So just some more COVID issues and stuff like that. And the NFL wanting to, as they always have, don't want to have injuries within the, in the league. And this is a way to stop people from getting COVID. 
which happened a few times last year. And they pretty much abandoned the preseason last year, just working at working against each other or the practice team and everything like that. So I don't know if anyone else has anything to add on to that. Well, I mean, it's smart to keep them away from each other as much as possible, just so that there is less chance uh, to contract COVID, whether these guys, uh, I don't know if they've been part of the kind of sports vaccine semi programs that maybe have started, if they have then great, then, you know, maybe they could get back to on-field drills sooner. But at this point, I don't think that all teams or majority of, of guys on a team have been vaccinated. So why not keep them apart from each other? You can still do stuff uh, virtually and hopefully they teams don't get guys like Gronk who instead of doing these workouts virtually, he would do them one day. He would do his quick workout. He would then change his shirt and do the workout again and then change his shirt and then do the workout again. <laughs> and every time he had to, to show the team, is this, that, true? this is true. Every time he had to show the team that, you know, he was doing his workouts, it was from one day and he had just swapped his shirts a bunch of times. That's so, excellent. Yeah. That's what, that's why he had a sluggish start. Then. That's exactly why he had a sluggish start. So, I mean, yeah, that can happen, but hopefully that uh, doesn't happen. I never heard that. That is hilarious. Yeah, and that was and that's such a wrong thing to do. For sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think you're right though, Josh. I think so I had assumed and I was wrong that all pro sports players would be vaccinated by now because I thought that they were gonna find a way to get themselves in there ahead of time. It sounds like that hasn't really happened and it's just sort of wherever they live, they're getting vaccinated when it's their turn based on their age or whatever. So some of them are vaccinated, some of them are not, depending on where they are. And I think it makes sense, like you said, the way the states are, they'll probably be in good shape by the end of the summer. I bet you all of them will be vaccinated by then. But some of them are not now, so it makes sense that they don't have the voluntary workouts and just keep themselves a bit safe until they're all fully vaccinated. It makes a bit of sense. And even if they're not all vaccinated by the time OTAs and training games start, at least they've, they haven't been together for those two months prior. So it's less, less chance. Yeah. Less chance. Right. I'm fully on board with this and everything like that. And like I said, they're voluntary, but the way that the NFLPA wants to go out and try and have a schedule and they proposed it to the NFL, we'll see how that works. And so right now it's just proposal, right? This, has this been approved? No, not yet. No, this is just a proposal that they sent to them. I mean, I can't see why the NFL wouldn't agree to this. Like, it makes sense to me. Speaking of, like, you know, the Canadian content that's been going on in the, the show, we got uh, lots of Canadian content. Might as well keep week. it going with uh, Corey Connors. You're a good old Canadian. Uh, he's not winning a lot of, you know, tournaments here, but he's definitely placing, in, uh, at least in the top 10, doing well. I think that this hometown Canadian golfer will uh, – definitely start winning some tournaments in the near future. I mean, unbelievable right now in the RBC uh, heritage, the guy's tied for third place at minus 12. He's only, he's only like seven back. It's just, again, another top 10 finish for this guy. It's just eventually his time will come and he will start winning these tournaments and he'll be up there with the, the big boys. Can we look back, somebody look back uh, on our hot takes because somebody said that they were going to play the RBC Open in Ontario or in Canada. And Yeah, that was, that was me. And it obviously did not happen, especially when this, we got hit hard with the lockdown 
last couple of weeks. So I got burned. Was it you that said that? Okay, so uh, it was me. So they're where are they playing, Kev? Do you know exactly where it is? Because it's definitely not in Oakville. I believe they're playing in South Carolina. Just interesting. I mean, you see that more and more, right? Like obviously the Jays, the Raptors are all playing in in Florida and other areas. So yeah, I was on Peter's side thinking that it would have gotten a little bit better, but it absolutely went the exact opposite direction of where we were. So Jays are still playing in this in Toronto this year, I believe. Yeah. So Peter's got that on there. I don't know. If I don't that's think gonna that's going to happen. As much as we would all we like don't to. actually have that on our hot takes, Jess. What? Oh, it's not. Boom! On. I didn't get burned. But it hasn't been updated yeah. since episode six, so that's right. We got a little problem there. <laughs> that's, that's just because Peter has been not updating it. Somebody, yeah. Somebody's going to have to spend some time and listen to the episodes. <laughs> and we uh, we all know that uh, the MLS started yesterday. TFC uh, was uh, playing against Montreal which uh, Montreal has scored their most opening goals ever with four. The most they've ever done before is three. The only two scores that uh, the TFC had was um, Delgado scored in the 45th minute on a penalty kill, which he had to do twice because the goalie moved. Challenge penalty, penalty kick. kick. <laughs> I'm not taking a play for that, man. It's a penalty kick, not a yeah, penalty kill. Sorry. <laughs> it's yeah, not I just see PK and that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, yeah, the <laughs> penalty kick, he actually, he actually had to do twice because the goalie did move. And then uh, Laria I scored on the on the 88th minute. And then carrying on with some uh, soccer as the, the foosballs, what I like to call it. <laughs> foosball! Uh, Barcelona and Messi win the uh, Copa del Rey. Could this be his last trophy with Barcelona? Messi? I mean, he's been one and out for the last couple of well, last year. He just yeah. this year, yeah, it's 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 possible when they won the uh, the Copa, all the uh, teammates of Messi were all taking individual photos with him and the cup. So it is very possible. He has said that he is wanting to leave Barcelona. So it, it's very possible, but it is also possible that the the recent uh, resurgence of the team may make him stick around and maybe you know, rethink his uh, his initial thought. Maybe he will stick around. It's it's crapshoot right now. I don't. You know. That'd be a big big signing from another team to pick up Messi. That'd be huge. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, he, but- I think he stays in Barcelona. It'd just be so weird to see him with anything other than Barcelona or Argentina right. colors on. Yeah, but it was the same with same thing with Cristiano Ronaldo, right? You didn't think that he would uh, he would ever move on. And where is he playing now? Um, Juventus. Juventus, yeah. So, you know, it's the same type of thing. I mean, you'll always be able to see Messi in in the blue and white because he's never gonna not be Argentinian. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but Ronaldo was also in the Premier yeah, League playing well. both leagues. Yeah. No, he's not playing both leagues. He's no, he, he, he went from the Premier to, to Italian and Serie A. Yeah, to the um, La Liga, and then went to uh, what's the Italian one called? Italian Serie A. Oh, okay. Or, well, it could be Siri B, but Juventus <laughs> isn't. Ah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, so are all the MLS Canadian teams playing in America yeah, too? They are, yeah. It was last night's game, Toronto-Montreal. That was played in Fort Lauderdale. That's where Montreal is going to have their home games. TFC is going to play in East Hartford, which is in Connecticut. And then Vancouver is going to play in Orlando. Vancouver's on, on Orlando? Yeah. In Orlando? Yeah. I, you would have thought they'd it's be close. in California just to keep it the or, same coast, right? But 
or yeah, somewhere in Washington or something mm-hmm. like that. But evidently that was, you know, I mean, we know that uh, restrictions are pretty loose in Florida. So maybe that's <laughs> part of the reason. I mean, they could have went to Texas and everything would have been hunky-dory normal, but <laughs> so. But yeah, that's uh, like you said, Jess, they are all playing in, in the U.S. somewhere and they kind of have to, right? It's the same thing as you're going to bring all the, the teams here and then everybody's got a quarantine and there's just no logistical way you can do it. So, but without going back to Barcelona, Peter, I agree. I think he's going to stick around. I think with the, uh, the resurgence winning this, winning this cup, I definitely think that he's going to stick around. And like I said, it'll be weird to not see him in the purple and blue or maroon and blue, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, it has happened. It has happened. We do see superstars move, right? Yeah, definitely not impossible. But with soccer, man, these fans are absolutely like, whoa. They're like, I don't know. I mean, these fans can actually go after your GM or your owner and start, you know, doing some some nasty things. (laughs) I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it's definitely possible. But Messi's also not in the top of his game. Like, he's still a top-end player, but he's not the best player in the world anymore. You know what I mean? Like he's up there. He still uh, he still has a ton of skills. There's no absolute no speed, no speed anymore. Right. Like that was his thing. Was like he could fly by you and then control the ball wherever he went. Yeah. Go through a bunch of guys and then have an absolute amazing shot. Like it's. I wonder if being a lefty helped him at all, as opposed to being a righty. I don't know what the percentage of lefty to righties is in in soccer. But you got to think, I mean, the whole world, I would think majority is right-handed. I don't know why that is, but I would assume that that's the case. It'd be interesting to see if that makes it a little easier to, or maybe it's more difficult because your left foot is on everybody else's right foot. No, I I think your first instinct is right. Like everyone's used to defending a Mm -hmm. right-footed attacker. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it just throws you off that one little... Yeah, doesn't take away that, from his skill, regardless. But they're strong. Well, the thing is, a lot of soccer players or European ball players, they can shoot both easily feet. and oh, pass yeah. easily with both. Oh yeah, I mean it's like basketball players, right? Yeah, like basketball players, like can uh, do a layup with their left hand if they're right-handed, no problem, kind of thing like that. Like it's, it's just, it's just one of those sports that demands both you to be good at both sides or something like that. So it's. But you still take your penalty kick with your dominant foot. You still take your your free throw with your dominant right. arm, right? So, but you're right. You gotta be. You have to be ambidextrous big time in yeah. soccer and in basketball. So, just before we move on to our penalty boxes, Jesse, you were right. Rodon did break up the the perfect game with a hit by pitch. I don't know what the hell I was reading. <laughs> there was definitely a close play at first base with a Brayu and a batter, but maybe that was the. The final play, I don't know. I don't know where the hell I got that from, but uh, so I was wrong. I did I did read that the, there was a close play, but um, it was reviewed and it was clear that uh, he, uh, Brady was out at first. Well, Brady, no, Brady was the first baseman on that play. Right, I mean, yeah, sorry. So whoever, yeah, I don't Brady know who was... the batter was at that time for that. that yeah. Game. So, yeah. So, obviously, I messed up there, and uh, that's not good for me because I wanted to be leading – this uh, whole game after today, but uh, yeah, rough day, rough I'm, day. I'm back down, back Thank down you. with Kevin. I think, yeah. No, <laughs> so. you're not that low. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, uh, let's roll into the penalty box. Who wants to start us up? Oh, I can kick it off. So we touched on it a little bit in the NHL segment, but uh, my penalty box this week is Buffalo's GM Kevin Adams. 
for what he got back for his assets and the trades he made leading up to the trade deadline. It's a weak, weak return as far as I'm concerned. So he got rid of Taylor Hall, Curtis Lazar, Brandon Montour, and Eric Stahl, and uh, goaltender Jonas Johansson. And in return, they got Bjork, a second-round pick, two thirds and a fifth and a sixth, which is not not a haul at all. <laughs> well, and this is this is why they are where they are. Yeah. You know. Well, the thing is, is like how how much longer is he going to last now with those trades and how bad is the team he put together before? Yeah, and I bet they move Eichel yeah. this offseason. I, I, I feel I the same way with you for up. sure. Eichel's gone this year. I mean, like, um, yeah, I don't see him sticking around. Can yeah. we afford him on the Leafs? That'd be fucking sweet. Uh, that would be sweet, but no, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and I don't know why he felt the need to make the Taylor Hall deal the day before the trade deadline when the return he got was so bad. Like, he had the element of time. He had a full another day where teams would start to get desperate, you would think. Use the time. Get yourself a better return. Now, the one caveat to all this is that Taylor Hall did have a no-move clause. So he had a significant amount of control over where he was able to be traded to. But he also said earlier, like a couple weeks ago, that he would be absolutely fine with moving somewhere. So unless he was going to go to another shitty, shitty team, I can't see him turning that down. Wasn't Hall, his first pick was to go to Boston before Buffalo? And Boston didn't take that trade, and that's why he went to Buffalo. So why would Boston? Yeah, I think he, I think they were in on signing him when he was a free agent, which I think yeah. is what you're yeah. referencing. And maybe they sign him long term now too. Who knows? But if the GM had a trade for him to, I don't even know, the Penguins or the Capitals or the Islanders or whoever, that's a competitor. I really don't think he says no to that. So I don't know. I don't know why they made the trade so early for such a bad return. That's why they're in my penalty box. And just for context, the Blue Jackets moved Nick Foligno, Savard, Lashoff, and Nosen, and they got two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick out of that. And I would all day long trade those players for the players that Buffalo gave up. All day long. So – I think they just poorly managed their assets and they got a bad return. And that's why their GM, Kevin Adams, is in my penalty box. Josh, who you got? All right. In my box this week is Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs. He is in my box because he admitted to the media that the the Cubs were intentionally trying to throw and hit the Milwaukee Brewers pitcher Woodruff. So what happened here is Contreras was hit by a pitch earlier in the game and on six other occasions last season. So there's definitely, you know, a rivalry here and there's definitely some, a plunking issue going on between these two teams. So Contreras obviously doesn't like to get hit, especially when it's a consistent thing against the same team. XJ Ryan Tapera was on the mound for the Cubs and, you know, being that Contreras is the catcher, basically threw up a sign. My, my assumption is that he threw up a sign to say, plunk him. <laughs> Tapera went to plunk him. He ended up throwing it behind Woodruff while he was batting. Didn't hit him. I, I, I don't think he tried to hit him. I think he tried to throw it behind him well enough away that it wasn't going to hit. I think it was to send a message, but not to try. Like a Randy Johnson? That's what just I Just going to throw it right over your head? Well, 
you know, I, I'm going to beg to differ with you on that, Peter, because Contreras admitted in a statement, he said that in, in regards to throwing at Brewers pitcher Woodruff, he said that that was probably a mistake by us trying to hit the pitcher. I don't think he's the right guy to do it to, is what he said. So to me, that was putting the blame right on yourself there. Like he's, he's essentially the guy that likely called it. <laughs> or maybe, maybe the manager, but I, I have my doubts on that. Now their manager, David Ross was an ex catcher. So maybe there's a <laughs> little bit there, but so anyway, so Tapera has been fined an undisclosed amount of cash handed a three game suspension, which he's appealing. And manager David Ross was also suspended for a game. Nothing has come down on Wilson Contreras because he really didn't do anything uh, other than call that plunk. So he's in my box, not because he called the plunk because he admitted that he called a plunk. If you're going to hit guys and your plan is to hit a player, you're going to plunk them. Don't tell anybody, man. Just plunk them. Oh, it was a mistake. The ball got away from me. Sorry. That's all there is to it. And then Tapera, he'd have a better chance of winning his appeal. But with this quote from Contreras, there's no chance he wins that appeal. <laughs> and he'll be suspending that three-game suspension pretty soon, I would think. So anyway, that's Wilson Contreras in my box. Don't admit that you're, that you're plunking, guys. Yeah, sorry, just before we go on there, I I think the reason why Contreras isn't going to be suspended or anything like that because he showed remorse because he didn't want that to happen, even though he's been hit a bunch of times. Because it's against a pitcher, and he's an elite pitcher, a young elite pitcher, Brandon Woodruff. I think, like you said, that was David Ross and why he is suspended. So you think Ross called the, called the plunk? Yeah. Interesting. And then, obviously, Timbera uh, was suspended because he actually followed through. Of course, yeah. And I mean, it makes sense with that quote. Like that was probably a mistake by us trying to hit the pitcher. I don't think he was the right guy to do it to. So, and maybe, maybe that does say that Contreras really didn't call it. And it was, it came down from above. Right. And that might be another reason why it's better through behind him. Yeah. Like maybe. Peter said. Yeah. Maybe because he, he doesn't really want to hit another pitcher. Yeah. Fair enough. And like you said, that's not the right guy to hit. Why? Are, he's an easy out. You know, you're, exactly. you're going to hit somebody, you hit somebody that's a superstar. So they only get to first base. Right. Plus, you don't want to hit hit him and then accidentally hit him in the elbow and then he's out for the yeah, season. For sure. probably, it could be a lot wor- worse for uh, suspension at that point too. If it was, especially since he said that it was he yeah, the, uh, the, the, the least shouldn't have done it against yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? So anyway, maybe we'll change it. We'll put the cubbies in the in the old box, but we're going to David Ross. Either way, somebody's in the box for plunking guys and admitting to it. <laughs> So, Kev, who, got, who you got in your box? Oh, sticking with baseball. I'm not sure if you guys saw this. Some dude was wearing an Oscar the Grouch costume at a, at a game with the Astros. Nice. See, like, I, I'm kind of over it. I mean, yeah, they got caught cheating. Okay, you know, yay. They, they, won, they won the World Series, I guess, while doing this cheating. But it's not the first time that this has happened. I mean, you can go back to Deflate Gate. You can go back to Spygate. I mean, let's just throw this underneath the rug. I mean, they did it for Tom Brady. If Tom Brady can sit there and uh, take air out of a football and you don't hear that anymore, you know, push this underneath the rug like everything else, boys. They didn't have anything last year to give them any kind of push to what was being thrown at them or nothing. So I think this just all this should go underneath the rug and just that let it happen what happens this year. So the guy wearing that that costume, oh man, come on, let it go. I'm with Oscar the Grouch guy. I just keep on chirping the Astros as much as I can for as long as I can. Because he got caught cheating. 
What the fuck? I'm going to chirp you for that. I mean, you it know? wasn't just right under the table right away with Tom either, right? Like a lot of people chirped them for Deflategate, for Spygate for a long time. And they still get chirped. Not as heavily, of course, but you know, they still chirp them. So, Yeah, there's still a lot of people that chirp them for being in Deflategate and Spygate and all that stuff. Like, and it's the same thing with... Uh, Houston here. Like if they come when we can actually go to a ball game, I'm going to be probably doing the same dumb shit that that guy. I won't get an Oscar costume, but I'll be like, where's your trash can or some shit like that. (laughs) I will definitely be one of those goofs in the, in the outfield. Yeah. Don't want to get tripped. Don't cheat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you're going to cheat, I guess you better do it to win. Right. So, I mean, Tom Brady, Brady uh, the Astros, I think did it once. So, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like cheating actually pays for itself, right? Hey, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. (laughs) So, Jesse, who do you got in your box there, bud? I have this uh, fellow named Vincent Spriggs. He is the guy that has claimed to be assaulted by three-time Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald. Now, he has since apologized for the allegations of the assault, but him and his lawyer were trying to get a criminal investigation on this. So what Springs claimed was he was in a nightclub in Pittsburgh and he accidentally bumped into AD. And apparently AD did not like this. And Spriggs said, sorry, is what Spriggs is claiming. And it got into a little bit of a tussle. He didn't explain what happened. They just got kicked out of the club. And then Donald and some buddies went after him and Donald hit him in the face, which ended up being that he had to go to the hospital because he had a broken sock, uh, eye socket, broken nose, concussion, and he needed 16 stitches over his eye. Now, I don't know if you've seen the photo, but it looks like he got hit in the face with a baseball bat. He looks like he's pretty messed up. Now, we all know now that he didn't do shit. Uh, as uh, Spriggs has <laughs> apologized, so has his lo- the, uh, Spriggs' lawyer that uh, has apologized for trying to get AD into a criminal investigation more or less than anything else. And it was uh, other people AD didn't even know that came in and like got him away from him. But it looked like uh, Spriggs tried to hit him in the head with a bottle in the club. And then that's why they got kicked out. And then there's video proof of AD running in, grabbing some guys and getting and pulling him off Spriggs. Like he was actually trying to help him from getting his ass beaten more. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. And like, I was joking with you guys. It was probably some Seattle fan or something like that. He got paid to do it or something like that. But I, it's, it's, it, it looks like he's going to, he was just trying to get him in trouble more or less. Cause he got his ass beat. Or he was looking for a payout, right? Maybe hope that too. Hoping yeah. Sorry, that, that's hoping that AD would, would settle out a court type thing. And all uh, right. I just made a cool million or whatever for getting my face pounded in by somebody else. Right. But mm-hmm. AD had wanted none of that. He, he told his lawyer, he's like, I'm not paying shit. He's like, I'm not, I didn't do a fucking thing, basically. I'm not paying anybody for nothing. So, and, you know, good on him. Good on him for that. And to not just, you know, quickly just, oh, let's make this go under, you know, as you say, kept brushing under the rug, you know, and he didn't want any part of that. And he's like, I didn't do anything. Let's see the videos. And like, it was clear right from, from the beginning after Aaron Donald released his statement that he didn't do shit. In my opinion, that was even without seeing, uh, without seeing the video, because a guy doesn't, he doesn't say that he wants no part of a, of a settlement if he pounded the shit out of him. Right. So. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's weird that like 
like the injuries that he sustained would be ones that I would say that AD would put on him. Oh, he definitely because, could have. <laughs> oh yeah, like he like you've seen him. I've seen him a few times in a football game. He lifted up uh, Devontae Freeman off the ground and carried him about a couple feet and just kind of put him back down. But he never took a swing at him. I, I can see he, he can get pretty enraged, but he's usually a calm, cool, collected guy. But only in the competitive spirit is when he gets really upset well he's massive too like one one punch like you said to that eye socket and it probably would collapse it like a baseball bat would like he's massive okay so yeah like he he's probably the only one ever as a defensive tackle to have abs yeah <laughs> <laughs> like he's got a six-pack like he's just he looks like a miniature version of incredible hulk yet he's not so a miniature yeah well he, he's only like I think he's like six 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 one, but he's just like big everywhere. Oh, else. So he's, he's just like a no short body motherfucker then. <laughs> For a defensive t- uh, tackle, he is. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the Vincent Spriggs is in my penalty box. Trying to rob some money from AD. That's the way I'm looking at it more and more. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, trying to make that too. Money. Or, or like I said, like uh, a fan wanted him to get kicked off, yeah. or suspended for a few days. <laughs> yeah. All right, gents, what do we got for scores? Well, Jesse's plus two and Josh is minus two for Kevin Biggio, not Greg, and in the perfect game, loaned by uh, a hit by pitch. Which is crazy because both Musgroves and Rodones then were were the perfect games were broken up the same way. The hit by pitch. Yeah, but Rodon was in the ninth inning. He was was like two – I think it was two outs away. That sucks, though. And and the fact that Perez didn't even like move, I I heard people like shout now. He just kind of like took it. Yeah. He didn't he didn't move at all. But again, at that point, it's Rodon. He's got to pitch to the guy, I guess. For sure. So for the season, that puts me back in the negative. You want to recap? Yeah. This there, so season wise, Peter's at plus four. Uh, Jesse moves up to plus two. Josh moves down to minus two, and Kev is pulling up the basement at minus five. So now I have to say there has been a bitch in the last couple of weeks and his name is Peter. He hasn't done a fucking thing. <laughs> There's been no challenges either way. He's just been sitting back with his plus four. I'm the best. I'm just going to sit here. Nobody else is even in the plus hey, positives. Why, why risk a fucking nice comfy lead? If, if any of you starts <laughs> to begin to challenge my greatness, I might start playing a bit harder, you know? Jesse just did this ah, one on my account. He's at he'll plus drop two, right so. back down. No jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get into the hard liquor, and that's when that's Peter right. starts stealing points that's away. messing up names is what happens. <laughs> names, and I can't read fucking text. <laughs> all right, gents. So we've gone through all our sports. We've gone through our uh, points of penalty scores. So now the only thing left is to ask you guys, how was your drink? So, Jesse, how was your drink? The Collingwood Freestyle was very, very good. I Again, I think I had the most alcohol after rebounding from that week off of keeping a cool sports drink. <laughs> I'm going to call it that now. <laughs> um, Peter, how was your drink? My cowbell, uh, Hazy Days, was pretty good. I actually fucking polished them both off by about the MVP point, so... I've been going a bit thirsty here. Um, but yeah, it was good, clearly. Uh, Kev, how was your drink? Um, my Guinness Hop House Lager 13 was absolutely 
it was good. Both went down pretty quick as well. I mean, that's that's the way it goes when we have a, a podcast that you know we're drinking a lot. Why'd you choose that beer? Because we're on episode thirteen, man. And it's and it's ah, also lucky number, and 13. it's also one of my lucky numbers as well. Yes, but it is. There you I go. Wouldn't tat- I wouldn't have tattooed it. The only person with the lucky yeah, number. Yeah, it's permanently on me as well, guys. If you all don't know, yeah, you should all know. I got thirteen on my arm. Josh, how was your drink? My pushing the limit. India Pale Ale from All or Nothing Brew House out of Oshawa was really good. Uh, as I said before, it had a kind of a uh, citrus floral type aromas and flavors, and uh, it's kind of nice uh, as a hoppy beer for summer, even though we're not quite in summer. But I, uh, I enjoyed it. It's got a cool little monkey on the cover, which is exactly why I bought it, because it was cool looking. And uh, again, Peter, I did the same thing. I was done pretty quick, which is usual for me so i had to have my backups everything was good 4.9 percent. so i wasn't very good on the alcohol content this week nope but i'll take uh i'll take quality over quantity uh, so. we see who the real bitch is it's okay <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah like it like quality with higher percentage is always good too you gotta find the good ones maybe next week maybe next week all right guys well thanks for uh taking a little time out of your Sunday to record this once again for all our loyal listeners and hopefully some, some new ones. Uh, so for everybody here at points of penalties, I want to thank you all for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at points penalties. And until next week, stay, stay out, out of the, the penalty, penalty box. box.